doesn't have a great record on this. So here in Taiwan, uh, this is uh, with the fishing fleet, uh, factory workers, uh, production line workers, uh, as well as domestic helpers in, in households. Uh, it's, it's a recurring problem, unfortunately, like in many other places. They're, they're not a, a well-represented uh, constituency. You know, there's NGO community that, that speaks up on these issues. Uh, but politicians and government officials, prosecutors, you know, they don't have much incentive to look into this because, well, you know, after all, they're just foreigners who work really hard and, and contribute to the economy, but they're not voters. And, uh, yeah, we've seen some pretty bad behavior by employers, and often this is one of those situations where people cross their hands and, and point at, you know, they point in uh, the left mm-hmm. and the right direction and say it's that person's responsibility. It's a labor broker. It's the person who runs the dormitory. Uh, you know, they come up with a whole bunch of excuses uh, to, to mistreat people who, who deserve better treatment. Uh, one really interesting point on that, I, I was on a television panel recently here in Taiwan talking about the current COVID situation, and one of the panelists was a medical doctor doctor who was emphatic. He said, we shouldn't be locking up these workers. They should be the first in line to be vaccinated because mm-hmm. of the conditions in which they live in, in dormitories, but also because of their importance to the economy. And instead, there's, there, there was news the other day here in Taiwan that the government wants to prioritize vaccinating uh, food delivery uh, mm-hmm. people from, from the online food, food delivery platforms. Yep. It's, it's a big shame, isn't it? Uh, sadly, we've run out of time, Ross, but thanks very much. That's Ross Feingold, Business Development Director at Sapro Group in Taiwan. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. In the markets, the ASX 200 is off 0.2% down in Australia. Japan's Nikkei 225 is also slightly lower, 0.1% lower in South Korea. The Cosby is up very, very slightly and looks like a flat open for the Hang Seng in an hour's time. Thank you very much for listening this morning. The weather forecast for today, cloudy with occasional showers. Those showers will be heavy with squally thunderstorms at first. The maximum temperature will be about 29 degrees. There is a thunderstorm warning in force this morning. The showers will ease off gradually in the next few days. 26 degrees right now, 93% relative humidity. Back chat's coming up after the news with Hugh Chiverton and Nixie Lamb. Right now here with the news is Samantha Butler. Hundreds of people have queued for a final edition of Apple Daily after management decided to end operations a few days earlier than expected. Its assets have been frozen as part of a national security investigation in which six staff were arrested, two of whom have so far been charged with colluding with foreign forces. At a newspaper stand in Mongkok, one of the first to get deliveries, people said they'd come after showing their support for the pro-democracy paper outside its Joan Guano headquarters. An Apple Daily journalist who arrived around 3 o'clock in the morning on a company shuttle bus was cheered by the crowd. Brian Chan was the sub-editor for Apple Daily for two and a half years, but he said after nine years in the media, he wasn't sure he would continue. Actually, I feel no regret of this. We fight till the end, you know, uh, and we are glad that many Hong Kong people still support us. But, you know, some kind of reason we can't go on. It's sad. It's truly sad, but I don't think we have to regret of this. Apple has promised a final print run of a million copies.
Health authorities have tested 2,100 residents of a building in Taipo that was locked down overnight after one showed a preliminary positive for a more infectious COVID-19 strain known as L452R. If confirmed, it would be the first local case of the strain and the first local coronavirus case in 16 days. The 27-year-old from Wanhang House on Wantao Tong Estate works as airport ground crew and comes into contact with cargo flight crew. He also worked at customer service in Taipo's Uptown Plaza. Health authorities say testing of residents finished at 8am and so far no positives have been found. Meanwhile, residents of more than 30 other Taipo buildings were yesterday ordered to test for COVID after a very high viral load was detected in sewage. An expert described it as a serious warning sign that could mark the start of a fifth wave of infections. The authorities in the Spanish region of Catalonia say the U.S. tech pioneer John McAfee has been found dead in the prison where he was being held in Barcelona. Spanish courts had earlier approved his extradition to the United States where he's wanted for tax evasion. If he'd been found guilty, he could have faced 30 years in prison. Here's the BBC's Guy Hedgeco. The Catalan regional government said in a statement that a 75-year-old U.S. citizen had been found unconscious in his cell in Brian's Dos prison near Barcelona. Attempts by prison staff to revive him were unsuccessful. The statement said that the death may have been suicide. Reports confirmed that the deceased was John McAfee, the creator of the McAfee antivirus software. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Hugh Chiverton and your co-host today is Nixie Lamb. Nixie, good morning to you. Good morning. Today we're talking about the gay games and abandoned cars. The gay games, a worldwide sport and cultural event that promotes acceptance of sexual diversity featuring lesbian, gay, bisexual and transgender athletes, artists and other individuals, is scheduled here for November 2022 and it'll be the first time this has been hosted in Asia. Some lawmakers have said they're unhappy about the event but the chief executive has said that the gay games promoted inclusiveness and diversity and her government will try its best to assist. Well what do you think of the event? How does it actually work? Who can actually take part? Is Hong Kong the right place to hold it? How do we compare with other Asian cities? Do you think the gay games will make a difference here? Should the government and local sports associations be more involved in assisting and promoting the games. Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat and RTHK Radio 3. You can email us, backchat at rthk.hk, or you can call us, and our number is 233-88266, 233-88266, after 9.15. As I say, we're going to be talking about the issue of abandoned cars. The Ombudsman says there's been no successful prosecutions against owners of abandoned vehicles since 2007. Why not? Uh, what do you make uh, of that problem? Once again, email backchat at rthk.hk uh, with your questions and your uh, comments. Joining us in our central studio now, we have uh, Dennis Philipsi, who's the co-chair of the uh, Gay Games 11, that's in Hong Kong 2022. Josiah Chok, who's a barrister and former Chief Equal Opportunities Officer uh, with the Equal Opportunities Commission. And joining us on the line, Sun Yu Tung, an Assistant Professor and Head of the Gender Studies Programme at the Chinese University of Hong Kong. Once again, our email, backchat at rthk.hk. Mr Philipsi, good morning to you. Good morning. Many thanks for, morning. for joining us. Uh, tell us, first of all, explain uh, the Gay Games. How does it all work? Uh, what can we expect in Hong Kong? Okay, great question. So the Gay Games started in 1982 uh, by an Olympian, Dr. Tom Waddell. Uh, he participated in Olympic Games in Mexico. 
and um, walking as an openly gay man to the tunnels during the opening ceremony in the Olympic Stadium, being applauded by thousands of people, he said, this is such a great experience. I want to give this to everybody in the world. So then he started the Olympic Games, the, the gay games initially um, in, in San Francisco, 1982. Um, and at the opening ceremony, Tina Turner was the guest of star. The gay games are held since then every four years all around the world. Uh, places like New York, Chicago, Sydney, Amsterdam and Paris three years ago. And the gay games are open for everybody to participate. Yeah, the Olympic Games, people need to pre-qualify themselves. Um, but for the gay games, everybody is welcome to participate, regardless of your sexual orientation, gender identity, race, age and disability. Because we really believe that sport is universal. Yeah, it doesn't matter where you come from, how much you look like, uh, how much money you have. In sport, you're able to uh, build people together and make lifelong friendships. Um, and six years ago, we started bidding against 17 other cities to host the gay games for the first time in Asia. Yeah, it's quite a long process, actually. It's a bit like bidding the Olympic Games. Mm. Uh, we had to submit a bid book proposal, 300 pages. And then uh, we got shortlisted four years ago against Washington, D.C. and Guadalajara in Mexico. Uh, inspectors came to Hong Kong uh, to visit all the venues of Hong Kong, the great infrastructure. We had an amazing um, uh, community reception exactly uh, today, uh, four years ago at PMQ with 600 people from the community and business partners. And then we had to go to Paris uh, in 2017 for our final presentation. I was sitting next to the mayor of Washington, D.C. for three days. Mm -hmm. And then Hong Kong was announced as first Asian city to host the gay games. Okay. Mr. Chok, sorry, could you, yes. could you move your phone away from the... Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Right, right away. Thanks, thanks very much indeed. Okay. Uh, okay, so yeah, I think we spoke uh, four years ago, I think it was, when, when, you, when you came out here previously to get... A, so how does this work? Who takes part in the gay games? Who joins in? The, the only requirement uh, is that you're minimum 18 years of old, mm. and that's the only requirement. Mm. Um, so uh, at the moment, pre-registration uh, has opened, and we have a more, more than 1,200 pre-registrations from more than 44 countries, which is quite inspiring. Uh, and later this summer, we will open our registration. You can go to our website, you register, you pay the fees, and then you can join. So this means that you might have people who have playing tennis for three years, but you also might have people who have been playing tennis for 30 years. Mm. Um, it's a nice story in, in the gay games in 2014. Um, Barack Obama, the president at that time, he gave a live opening speech during the opening ceremony. But there also was a 99-year-old great-grandmother who went together with her lesbian daughter <laughs> and she went 100 meters. Mm. And you know what? She set a world record and got a gold medal. So mm. the Gay Games is, yes, it's a community event. It's the most right. inclusive sport event. But in some of the events, sport events, world records have been set. So for the Gay Games in Hong Kong, it's going to be a nine-day event taking place next year, November. The opening ceremony will take place in the Hong Kong Stadium, yeah, the stadium for the Wabi Sevens. The stadium will be filled with 30,000 people and the 12,000 participants will be walking through the tunnels onto the football pitch. Mm -hmm. That's a life-changing moment, right? Because imagine that you come from Cambodia, the Philippines, from the US, or even from Hong Kong, and you walk to that stadium and being applauded by thousands of people, you will never ever forget that. Mm. Then we will have 36 sports, including dragon boat racing, esports, but also trail running because Hong Kong has beautiful outdoors. Mm. There will be arts and culture events taking place every day from live choir, orchestras, bands. We'll have art exhibitions in Taekwun, 
Um, and there will be a festival village at the heart of the, uh, Hong Kong as well. And that will be the heart of the festival. Because during daytime, people play the sport. And in the evening, they go to the festival village, meet new friends, have a great time. And at the end of the long week, we'll have a closing ceremony. So it's going to be a nine-day event. Everybody's welcome to participate or, of course, to come to volunteer and to cheer the thousands of people. Ms. Ron, I, I think I met you a few years back at, like, well, I think maybe Austrian or Canadian Chambers events. I, I sit next to you at a luncheon. I, I'm not sure if you remember at that time. We actually discussed at that time you're still applying for this. And uh, I'm glad that you finally got it. <laughs> it's amazing. It's a real journey. We have been working there for five years. Yeah. We have an amazing team of 180 professional volunteers on the team. Mm. Um, and, and some people gave up their job themselves to be full-time volunteer um, because this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for Asia, for Hong Kong, because this is a great opportunity to showcase Hong Kong as a diverse, inclusive city um, of course, there's also an economic impact, yeah, especially in the city, city mm. situation for Hong Kong. We estimate, based on the, the gay games in Paris, about 1 billion Hong Kong dollar economic impact, uh, 300,000 hotel room nights, and there will be millions of pictures on social media promoting our city. So we really believe that this event, which is the same size of, of the Olympic Games, mm. is really a great way to promote uh, Hong Kong as an amazing city. Can you just clarify? So anyone can take part. You don't have to be of any sexual orientation. Everybody can participate. So you can right. join you. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> so, uh, I'm just not very good at running. Uh, <laughs> That's great. So if, for if there was a sitting uh, contest, I'd be, sitting I'd be contest. gold medal <laughs> material. Yeah. But um, uh, so, I mean, how do you, if anyone can take part, how does that work? I mean, do you have a... Do you have 100 metres with, like, 30 people all at the same time, or what? How do you manage, and how do you manage the different levels? A good question. So for each sport, we have different competition levels. Mm. Yeah, for wrestling, it's based on your body uh, weight. Uh, for running, it's based on, on your age. Uh, for tennis, okay. there's a different uh, 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 competition level. So we really make, make sure that people are really competing against the right levels, uh, and everybody's welcome to join. And everybody is welcome, and that you, you said that as well, right? So allies are a very important element here. Uh, because in some corporations, or so, lots of people still in Hong Kong, unfortunately, are still not able, feel, feel comfortable to come out, to be themselves. And we really welcome them to be joining as well. Because imagine that you work with your colleagues and you form a dragabout team. Some people are out, some people are not out, some are ally. And having them together in a dragabout team participating in the first gay games in, in Hong Kong is a great way for your team also, and creating a safe space for your organization and for your team. Mm. Well, also with us, as I say, is uh, Sun Yu Tung, Assistant Professor, Head of the Gender Studies Programme at the Chinese University. Good morning to you. Thanks very much indeed for, for joining us. Uh, what do you make of this? What do you make of holding this uh, in Hong Kong? It's a bit of an experiment. In the, uh, this is you know, the first time in Asia and first time there's been a kind of large-scale uh, LGBT uh, event like this uh, in, in Hong Kong. You know, they have had them in Singapore and some other places and so on. What do you think it means for, for Hong Kong? are significant in different ways. I think so far there is a lot of debate about the money that it generates, about the business case that is going to bring money to Hong Kong. But I think one very important part is also uh, to mention that why game games were started is also because uh, in sports there is a culture of um, homophobia, biphobia and transphobia in many settings, unfortunately. So I think football is a pretty notorious example in which that there has been a lot of homophobia.
homophobia. And, and so I think the gay games, uh, first of all, it is very significant to allow more LGBTQ plus people to feel included in sports settings, uh, which in the past they may not have felt as comfortable uh, uh, in joining. And the second point is also, uh, I think that the first time the event being held in Asia can also help to ignite a lot of debates about uh, being LGBT plus in the region that in the past that it has been subjected to a lot of um, uh, debates that are based on rather uh, cultural fabrications in a way. So one point that I always make in my classes and awareness raising is that there are so many myths around uh, Asian culture and LGBT+. So, for example, Hong Kong and Singapore didn't have any laws that criminalize same-sex sexuality before uh, they became uh, colonies of Britain. And then also say uh, currently when there's a lot of debate about uh, uh, um, uh, same-sex marriage and, and, and the current uh, 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 legal requirements that is between one man and one woman, those are actually also recent history that only in the 1970s that came into law in Hong Kong. I think having the event in Asia can also bring a lot of uh, debate about, uh, uh, actually I would argue that um, uh, it is not being LGBT plus that is uh, against uh, the, the Asian culture. It is actually uh, people who are actively creating fear against uh, uh, LGBT plus, that's actually against the social harmony uh, 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 in Asia. And, and how do you think Hong Kong compares to other places? We, you know, we have the same-sex marriage ordinance, you know, uh, getting public support in, in uh, Taiwan. Um, you know, in, in terms of kind of public uh, feeling in Hong Kong, how do you think we compare with other places like, uh, like Singapore, like Japan, like Korea and so on? that uh, actually Hong Kong is not doing so badly uh, in terms of public attitudes towards LGBT plus rights. So in the last decade, I've been involved in quite a number of uh, representative telephone surveys that look at public attitudes towards LGBT plus rights that uh, uh, were conducted in Hong Kong. So we see that actually there is increasing public support for LGBT plus rights, be it same-sex marriage, be it uh, anti-discrimination legislation. And we see the opposition towards anti-discrimination legislation in 2020 it was only at 12 percent dropping from 35 percent back in 2016 and if we look at same-sex marriage the opposition is only at 23 percent if we look at the younger demographic among those who were aged 18 to 34 the support is really staggering at 80 percent a zero and so i would argue that actually sometimes be it policymakers, be it uh, 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 legislators sometimes they would make arguments about Hong Kong society, Hong Kong culture, Hong Kong public attitudes without any empirical evidence on hand. I and I would argue that it is on scientific evidence that we need to base our public debate on. Uh, Josiah Chok is, yes. is also with us. As I say. Um, uh, good morning to you, Mr Chok. Good morning. Uh, thanks for, for, for joining us once again. Uh, would you be welcoming the, uh, the uh, gay games to Hong Kong? I think uh, for our side, we treat gay games as a private function. Okay, if they got the approval from the Federation to be held in Hong Kong, then that's the fact. But our side holds the stance that it, since it's a private function, the government should be refrained and remain neutral. If they apply for venues and those venues are available, then the event could be held on. Just like the Pink Parade, uh, to, uh, held each year. We do not object if they got the approval. 
but we do have reservation on the whole uh, uh, event because talking about LGBTQ, in fact, okay, studying from their mandate and also the photos, it do it does stir up some kinds of worries from the pro-family and the marriage side that uh, is overwhelmingly LGBTQ focus rather than uh, their slogan is based on diversity or, or acceptance or something like that. And I do appreciate that in the coming event, their motto is uni unity. Uh, yeah, yes. And I, and I hope that uh, with this kind of event, a balanced approach must be given. And also the Hong Kong people must given a, a, a fair chance to support or not. So, so your concern is that, that, that heterosexual people would be excluded? I, I'm not saying that, that in worry? terms of uh, participation, we are excluded. I, I, I learned from uh, uh, Dennis, all are welcome. Uh, all are welcome. But our, our stress is that it's a private function. Then let it be private. The government should not step on. And we found that the invest Hong Kong, I don't know, why, why they uh, act as a, a sponsoring body. Yeah, and they need to explain to us, uh, despite the fact that uh, Dennis has mentioned that uh, the past events have created a lot of revenues uh, to the plagues, but money is some way uh, important, but it's not always important. Uh, we want to have a harmony and, in fact, a united uh, Hong Kong, and that is specially needed for these days. Okay, Mr. Philipsy? I think we are talking about the same thing. If you look at the purpose of the gay games, it is really bringing diverse groups of people from all around the world together. Yeah. And they're using sports, arts and culture, the community, but also fun to create positive attitudes. Yeah, our tagline is unity in diversity. We really believe that, have, that this will have a long-last positive impact in Hong Kong, Asia and beyond. Mm. Yeah, unity is the key thing, like you said already, mm. right? Because it doesn't matter what your sexual orientation is, yeah. what your political color is. Let's step up. Let's be united and together. After two years of lots of things going on in Hong yeah. Kong and the world, we're looking forward to something positive. An event like this will have a massive positive impact on the community in the mentality, mm -hmm. some fun, and of course the economic impact there as well. Mm -hmm. yeah? and we, we have a an, an scholarship program in place where we're able to provide free entrance to youths uh, based in Hong Kong, between 18 and 25 years old, domestic helpers, refugees. So this is going to be really one of the most inclusive sports, arts and culture events for the first time happening in Asia here. Are you reassured, Mr. Chok? Uh, I think, uh, uh, as I have talked to Dennis before, uh, before this program, openness and frankness are important. The rundown, yes. Uh, it, 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 is, it could be released ASAP to ease the worries of all parties. Uh, so much the better. Uh, and, and the other response I wish, I wish to give to uh, uh, Mr. Shin is that uh, there are a lot of posts or surveys. Uh, he quoted the, the, 
the, the studies uh, he conducted or the other con- conducted. But I also quoted the other two uh, uh, studies uh, conducted by the CTU and also funded by uh, the government on another occasion. The support for same-sex marriage uh, was not as high as they have quoted. And I do not want to debate on that. So that means these issues are still very controversial. And as we could understand, up to the present moment, Hong Kong has no laws uh, uh, for sexual orientation, uh, uh, gender reassignment, and same-sex too. And the court also ruled against that and, and in the MK case. And it, it's also stipulated in the uh, base. Uh, basic law and as well as Bill, Bill of Rights, the marriage is heterogeneous. Okay, if one day in the future, I don't know. Sorry, does it say that in the basic law? Yeah, basic law, 19, okay, basic law 19, a marriage is between a man and a woman, okay, and the spouse rights is equal let in me, a marriage. Let me, let me look that up yeah. while <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Mr. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Sun, do you want to respond? I would like to uh, respond by uh, saying that I think we've uh, mixed two levels of debate here. I think uh, today, if I understand correctly, we are talking about the gay games and whether it should be uh, held in Hong Kong and its significance. And, and I think that's one level that, that about the sports. And the other, the other thing is about uh, legal developments and things like that. And I think we must not um, mix them together in the sense that um, uh, if, the, if we're talking about the gay games, Itself, that as I mentioned earlier, I think that really is about addressing uh, the culture of marginalization uh, uh, of LGBTQ plus people in sports and allowing uh, diverse groups of people to also feel included in sports. And so I don't see any reason why that would be um, a negative thing for society for more marginalized groups to be included in society and not surprisingly as a lot of research has shown that when more people are in touch with minoritized or marginalized groups according to the context theory then they get better understanding of their lives and get a a, a more understanding of where that social marginalization comes from. And I think that is something that I find uh, it would be very difficult for people to say, no, we should let people to continue to be further marginalized in, 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 in society. And the other thing is about uh, legal development and, and, and rights and policies. And I think uh, that would be something beyond uh, 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 the gay games that could be further uh, 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 debated, that uh, I understand that uh, uh, Mr. Chok has mentioned some of the studies that I think there were a lot of issues about methods and methodologies that, that, that could be debated there, but I think that's beyond the scope of what we are talking about today here. Okay, just, just on, on the basic law, the only thing I can find is Article 37, the freedom of marriage of Hong Kong residents and their right to raise a family freely should be protected by law. Yes, that's the basic law, and then we need to read in conjunction with Article 19, Part 3 of the Bill of Rights, okay? And that have been decided in the case of MK. And leaving aside, I, I'm not, I do not want to engage in the in legal tussle because it's not fair to Mr. Sheen and Mr. Uh, 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 to Dennis. But one thing is that uh, talking about sports, I don't know the impact it could 
、uh, promote diversity or something like that. I, I still remain doubtful. Okay. That's, that's good question. So, what、yeah. is your sport? What, what competitive sport do you participate in yourself? I, I have, as I have told you, I, I am a watcher. Okay.、Uh, not okay. a participant. <laughs> okay. So, 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 okay. We have, uh, I do not like sports. So, so you're welcome to, to participate. So, we have 36 sports rowing, sailing,、mm. uh, badminton, tennis, uh, 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 like I said, early esports,、uh, but also wrestling,、uh, bodybuilding. So, everybody really is welcome to join and to participate.、Uh, and, and then also, you have the different arts and culture events. Uh, and we really believe that this is a great way to unite Hong Kong in a special moment like this to, 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 to get something positive together here. All right, we, we've got quite a lot of emails、uh, on, on this topic. Perhaps you could just sort of clarify for one thing. Mark H says, How does one prove being gay, or can just anyone join the big athletic event, even professional athletes? Everybody's welcome to join, even if you're a professional athlete. It's all about celebration.、Yeah, right. the, the, the principles of the gay games are participation. Inclusion and personal best. Okay.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's no medal count on a country level. It's all about you as an individual being part of a unique event. Okay. Uh, Rick uh, says、uh, when and where will the straight games be held?、Mm-hmm. Or is it perhaps not as ex- inclusive as described? There is really nothing inclusive about this at all, says Rick. Well, I think that's something that's very important in need of being addressed. I、mm-hmm. think that's always the argument that's being made. Why are there events that are specifically for LGBT plus people? I think we can look at the historical marginalization. As I mentioned earlier, if we're talking about marginalized groups, Um, uh, that have historically been underrepresented and have been subjected to different forms of exclusion,、uh, no matter whether it's in sports or in other settings. I think it is only fair that, as a part of the historical process, that kind of injustice being addressed for the time being. I get those kind of questions a lot. Why would a socially marginalized group get something specific? I think that's actually a, a process of history in addressing some of the historical injustice. that Different marginalized groups have faced in society. Okay, well, thanks, Mr. We're going to continue the discussion after the news at nine. We've got a break for a few minutes. We've got a few、uh, emails to follow up on、uh, as well. We want to hear from you, of course. You can call us on 233 88266 or you can email backchat at rthk.hk with your questions and your comments. The weather there's a thunderstorm warning effective until at least 10 30.、Uh, the forecast cloudy with occasional showers. The showers heavy with squally thunderstorms at first. 26 degrees now. Relative humidity is now at 92%. The government response to the COVID 19 pandemic was also significant. Examples cited include the delaying of last year's LegCo elections, the banning of political gatherings and demonstrations on public health grounds, and even the serving of culturally inappropriate food to Muslim people in quarantine. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back, back chat this Thursday morning with Nixie Lamb and me, Hugh Chiverton. We're talking about the、uh, gay games、uh, heading our way in November、uh, next year,、uh, if all goes well. We're talking to the co chair of the gay games uh, 11, uh, that's、uh, Denise Philipsy,、uh, with、uh, Josiah Chalk, a barrister, former chief equal opportunities officer of the Equal Opportunities Commission, and、uh, Sun Yu Tung, who's assistant professor, head of the gender study program at the Chinese University of Hong Kong. Our email is backchatter.com. rthk.hk. We want to hear from you. You can also comment on our Facebook page. We'll get to some of those comments in a moment. Later, we're also going to be talking about the issue of abandoned cars,、uh, highlighted by the、uh, ombudsman. It seems the police are not、uh, cracking down. So, what's actually、uh, going on there?、Um, one、uh, bit of uh, traffic uh, information. 
um, all lanes of Chunwan Road towards Kowloon uh, near the Chunwan Kok Cooked Food Centre are still closed to traffic. That's been like uh, like more than an hour, hasn't mm-hmm. it? Uh, so uh, that's because of an accident. So uh, all lanes towards uh, Kowloon. Uh, uh, still closed. Uh, big uh, traffic queues there. Uh, the traffic queues on Chunwan Road ends at Tunmun Road near Tinkau and Qinglong Highway as That's well. A long were, way. were you affected by that? Perhaps that was reaching to no. Tunmun. Yeah. I'm lucky I went through the, the tunnel, but that was that, that was in my old constituency. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, uh, also, uh, yeah. As I say, we're going to be talking about abandoned vehicles. Got a lot of uh, emails and comments. Here's from Facebook. Okay, Catherine on Facebook. Uh, says, I'm a heterosexual female and I'm signing up for the running event. Even though I'm a beginner, incredibly proud that we're doing this. It would be great for the community, bring us together. It's sport, community and health forward. What's not to love? Uh, Malcolm says, unfortunately, the bigoted comments that echoed through Ledgeco are a good example of a top-down move in Hong Kong towards a less pluralistic society. This is the opposite to what the Gay Games is trying to achieve. We need this more than ever. Uh, TC says, some of the controversy on hosting the event is why I dislike Hong Kong Asia World City slogan. I don't find many cultural values of Hong Kong to be progressive, even by Asian standards. That's... uh, from uh, TC. Uh, Jim says, I am 80 years old. Back in the day, the word gay was a statement of happiness. A public function in the SAR generates venue for all Hong Kong people. Personally, I welcome all guests and money to Hong Kong. Uh, Vic says, thanks to Regina Ip for bringing it up at Ledgeco. Not a great fan of hers, but sometimes even she gets it right. As for the two stooges, Holden and Junius, one cannot thank them enough for the publicity their jaundiced statements have generated. I would personally give them some chapsticks for their sore lips. Uh, in the end, all is well with our CE. Also for a change, not making the wrong move before flip-flopping. Go rainbows. That comes uh, from uh, Vic. Uh, and Matthew says, last week the DAB's Nixie Lamp, as your co-host, was very quick to use her backchat co-host role to condemn Apple Daily without offering any facts or evidence and before trial or conviction. Over the week before that, when I asked if she had condemned the behaviour, her DAB colleagues who were convicted of bribing people in an important by-election, she giggled and said, I should... I should Starry Lee, presume, ask Starry Lee because she doesn't know about that. Gutsy Nixie. How about today's topic? Nixie's fellow (laughs) pro-authoritarian colleague, Junius Ho, referred to gay people as unnatural and her own DAB colleague, Holden Chow, warned that the gay games could affect affect social stability in Hong Kong. As a modern and reasonable pro-establishment person, what does Nixie think about issues like the gay games and same-sex marriage? And does the DAB have an official position on these things? Appreciate it if you could give Nixie an opportunity to directly answer my question. My backchat lover, Matthew. <laughs> He's coming at me every week. Well, well, for me, I, I, can, I, I'm, I can't think of like an f- official line for this on DAB. I, I don't think we have an official line. But as I, as, as I said in the beginning of the show, uh, Dennis, I met you a few years back, I think, at an event where I think Casper and Holden Chow is also there at, at some, some Chambers events. It was, it was quite a fun day. 
I mean, for for me personally, I I think that's nothing wrong with gay games. I think a lot of people have a misunderstanding because of the name, uh, homophobia, and and because of the name of the game. Uh, a lot of people think the game is only for gay people, or and 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 people are feared of that. I mean, a lot of the friends that I talk to, um, they they don't really understand the gay community or LGBTQ. Um, they just have this misconception that it's gonna be some crazy sexual events rather than a, a normal inclusion. Of sports events, so I think, um, and and same with that. A lot of people think because I'm DAB, I be uh, all the DAB members within the our 20, 20 or so members will think say, as the same, but, but, but we are not. I mean, I, if you wanted me to comment on on things like that, for me, I personally support the gay games. I have a lot of LGBTQ friends, and you used to live with a. Very good friend of me with uh, in Australia. He's gay, and uh, I know the difficulties when he grew up. I mean, he told me he he realized that he's um he's gay when he's eight eight years old. But a lot of people doesn't really understand his situation. He he tried to suicide himself twice. So a lot of people needs to understand about the situation and not mix the gay games with same sex marriage. I think remember uh, I was sitting next to Dennis at that day. I told him I I don't think Hong Kong is ready for same sex marriage at all. Um, totally. I mean, I mean, look at the preparation on, of, on gay games. But I mean, you shouldn't mix the two things together. It's a different issue. Okay, uh, right. Uh, Will in an email says uh, perhaps at that opening ceremony they could mock the start of the games by firing Junius Ho out of a cannon. That's from uh, Will. And um, Paul says, back chat, if everyone is welcome to participate, then why is it called the Gay Games? Surely it'd be better to call it something like the Community Games. Calling it the Gay Games instantly excludes the likes of Christians and Muslims who take their religion seriously. Mm. If the idea of the Games is inclusiveness, then surely the Gay Association must be dropped. That comes from Paul. Dennis? Yeah, hello? Sorry, Kai. We'll that, switch your mic song. Yeah, go on. Okay, that's a good question. So when the gay game started uh, 40 years ago, initially it was called the Gay Olympics. But then the Olympic Committee that time sued them for using the word Olympics. So it was last minute called the Gay Games. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's the 40 years anniversary of the Gay Games in Hong Kong. Um, it's the name of the event. On the other hand, by having it this name, we're having constantly discussions about this. And I think that's an important element, right? Because it's also about education and raising awareness in a non-confrontational way. Yeah, and I think that's an important element here as well. And, and yes, we are 509 days away from the opening ceremony, uh, celebrating our 500 days countdown next week. Um, so we have lots of things to do to, to raise the public awareness about the gay games. Every the next couple of months, we will go far more broader into the wider community. What about Hong this Kong. question about the title? Some people uh, also, Nick here says, is the name Gay Games not a very misleading title for these inclusive games? It's clearly being misunderstood as games for only one segment of society, mm. but society thereby creating unnecessary tensions. Uh, and a similar point, I think... I think made... that's one of the biggest uh, arguments yeah, in Hong Kong yeah, in the yeah. Yeah, yeah, we heard from Paul. Yeah, I mean, in, 40 years ago, um, gay was labelled as everybody who is uh, lesbian, gay or queer. Mm. Yeah, In those 40 years, we have created several labels like mm. lesbian, gay, queer, transgender. Mm. Um, in that time, 40 years ago, the word gay was everything together. Yeah, so I, I think the name is what it is. It, it's creating a discussion, <laughs> but for us, it requires also some explanation that everybody will be welcome to participate at this event. Mm. Well, I would like to 
go back to the yeah. point that I made earlier, that I think why gay games, the name gay, needs to be added there is just a bit like other socially marginalized groups. You can say that, well, then uh, by the same logic, there shouldn't be any um, uh, initiatives that are targeting black people, that are targeting women, that would, um, uh, that would uh, create division in society. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think then these, we are talking about historically marginalized groups in society that we need to highlight that to raise awareness, to highlight the uh, social and historical marginalization. And as Dennis mentioned that we also must be um, uh, uh, remembering the fact that uh, why we need to highlight um, the gay games, uh, the, the word gay there is not only because LGBT plus people have been excluded in sports, the gay games is actually also an international uh, context as well. Still now when there are about 30 countries around the world where there is legal protection for LGBT plus people in still many other countries, more than 60 uh, of them that things like sexuality is actually criminalized. So there is this context that LGBT plus people have been historically marginalized and I think it is actually not unreasonable for marginalized groups to get the attention of society. If the same logic, then we shouldn't have any activities that target women, any activities that target black people. And I would question whether the audiences would think that would be a just uh, uh, argument. What, what, what do you make of the, uh, you know, what, what happened uh, with Legco and with the, with the chief executive, you had those statements by uh, Junius Ho and and by, by Holden Chow, and then you had that what looked really like a change of mind, really, by the uh, the chief executive who'd been lukewarm at best on the idea of the gay games previously, frankly, uh, and now seem to be uh, a lot more enthusiastic about giving the government support or assistance. Uh, yep. What do you make of that? Yeah, personally, I find that that's a, a much more recent approach to that because I think uh, the chief executive uh, rightly pointed out that actually the games is not about uh, the rights. It is about um, uh, uh, talking about inclusion and diversity. And for me, a very important aspect of that is health and well-being. So to mix um, uh, the gay games with uh, the debate about same-sex marriage and discrimination, I think uh, it was uh, pretty misleading of uh, some of the legislative councillors to do that. And actually, I found that pretty um, uh, uh, disappointing in the sense that actually uh, only in, in, in two or three weeks' time, that would be the 30th anniversary of uh, decriminalization of same-sex sexual acts in Hong Kong. Uh, the debate was had in the Legislative Council back in 1991. Mm. And that it shows that there's still a lot of misunderstanding uh, uh, among both the general public and even among the Legislative councillors on many of the issues that we've been talking about today. Mm. Alright, Jay says uh, another ploy to get it into the education system of the underage that don't know anything about anything. Brainwashing to think you're not normal if you're not gay. And gay's high Hijack the word. I like mm. being happy and loud. Give me a break. That comes from Jay. M- Mr. Phillipsy, this idea that uh, this you will turn children gay. Um, I don't know what to say to that. I think that that's, that's a You can't just turn people gay exactly, or not exactly, gay. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, was, I was given advice to the words gay games. I have no objection to that. But the Chinese translation is a bit different. Mm-hmm. It means let's be happy together. Mm-hmm. Uh, happy mm-hmm. together. Yeah. Uh, 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 so they have games. a little pro- wrong projection. Uh, yeah, of the I, I understand gay has two meanings, double meaning. But it's a, a, a play of semantics. 
Two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct, yeah. correct. Mm-hmm. And the, na- the word gay games is a registered name, part of yeah. the Federation of Gay Games, already for 40 years. Yeah. And, and, and they are the governing body. Yes. And so we, we cannot change the word gay games because that has yeah. been the, the registered name. What about a Chinese name? The is Chinese there name. possible? To yeah, so that was on purpose because we really see this yeah. as, and because it explains mm. a little bit more contact behind that, right? Uh, and also having our tagline unity in diversity mm-hmm. it really explains that that everybody is welcome to participate and the key thing is really unity here okay but i, I have heard there's been friction with local lgbt groups that they kind of feel some of them feel that you're coming in here and not paying attention to uh, hong kong society or existing kind of organizations in hong kong and some want to distance themselves from from your organization <laughs> Uh, so we work very closely with the local community, with local LGBTQ organizations, and, and we work and, and we're going to support them as much as well. An interesting element is that we are we are just a, char- a charity organization based in yeah. Hong Kong. After the gay games uh, will be held, any uh, surplus coming out of our budget will go back to the local LGBTQ community. So we're really much here to support the LGBT community in in a positive way. Mm. Okay, uh, some more emails. This is from John, uh, who says, Your guest needs to understand there will be no unity with the gay games in Hong Mm. Kong when the xenophobic and homophobic government officials are in charge of Hong Kong. People like Junius Ho doesn't want the dirty money, he said already. People like Nixie Lam here with her DAB colleagues like Holden to divide Hong Kong society. (laughs) That comes from uh, John. Why my name is on that list? I don't know. They're not listening. But having these discussions (laughs) underlines also why Hong Kong was chosen against Washington, D.C., Guadalajara, Mexico, and the other 15 cities. You could have right? made life easier for yourself, couldn't you? You could have held it in San Francisco or... Mm. Exactly, exactly. So much easier. It would have been an amazing event. However, having this for the first time in Asia, a region where two-thirds of the world population lives, will be a great opportunity for people who normally couldn't come to the gay games mm. because it was too far away. Yeah, people from Cambodia, the Philippines, mainly China. Now they it's will be able... Them. Exactly, no. yeah. Yeah, a couple more emails. Uh, Jim says, male-to-male sexual intercourse is generally repulsive to most cultures. This is the issue, the stigma attached to male sexual behaviour. Same-sex people playing games together has never been a problem. That comes from uh, Jim. Okay, we've got a caller on the line. Good morning to you. Hello. Good morning, Hugh. It's Dan, and I have, this is a deep topic. Uh, I just want to make one statement and ask one question. We're running out of time. one of the things I see, and has been identified in a very excellent book called The Madness of the Crowds by Douglas Murray, where he addresses these issues very carefully and very diligently, is uh, it seems that one dogma, the old dogma of homosexual uh, behavior is wrong, you don't, you don't bring it into the mainstream of society, if you keep it in the closet, fine, uh, or in some countries we'll arrest you if you're caught doing it, with another dogma now, that says you better accept homosexuality or we'll label you. You're not, uh, you're not really a person who's progressive or of the world. So I see this danger, and I'd like people on both sides to think about it, is one dogma simply being replaced with another. But my question is this, on a practical standpoint of the gay games, there are only two sexes, male and female. In the gay games, you'll have, is it true, you'll have biological males competing against biological females and the biological females in almost every sport that I see listed here on the website will be at a disadvantage to the biological males. Mr. Philipsy, how do you deal with that? So for the gay games, people can choose their own gender category and for some sports we have a gender neutral category created as well, for example for wrestling and also for uh, uh, bodybuilding. Dan, does that help? 
Okay, but, but don't you see the fundamental problem? In almost every one of the sports I see listed here, wrestling and football and swimming, uh, the biological males, no matter what they, gender they declare, are going to have an advantage over the biological females. Doesn't that totally destroy the whole purpose of the gay games? So, so again, the principles of the gay games are participation, inclusion, and personal best. Yeah, it's not winning about. It's not about winning the medal. It's about you participating in events like this. And if you feel that you belong in a specific group, then you can choose your own gender category. Because why should somebody else force you to be labeled in something where you don't belong in? Why should a woman be forced to compete yeah. against a biological male? Yeah. So people can choose their own gender category. In this way, we, make the, we create a safe space for people to be involved rather than forcing people into something what they don't want to be. But one thing that will create problems, uh, you, you, you tend to accept self-expressed gender uh, in participation of the sports. But this is totally unfair in, in the biological uh, context. Okay, surely those participants naturally will win those games, but winning may not be the ultimate goal. But it's not fair at the start. But I find it very interesting the debate because the yeah. games is actually for people to uh, participate yeah. freely, and then they can um, yeah. choose to decide to join the gay games or not. And one fact yeah. that I would yeah. I really need to, and one fact that I would really need to intervene that actually there are not only two sexes in society. Mm. It has got international recognition that uh, there are also intersex people who are beyond uh, excuse the me, uh, excuse sex me. binary. Excuse uh, me, professor. Well. Professor, excuse me. You declared earlier that we should stick with the science. The science is there are two sexes, yeah. full stop. Sorry. Well, I think that actually has been internationally established. That has not been put forward by me. That has been put forward by organizations like the World Health Organization. You like know what, it doesn't matter what the organization is. We, we all but, but know. I must, I must remind you. We all know, we all know may, there are only two that sexes. That rise to a legal that. dispute. Yeah. So, so, so people, firstly, are not forced to participate. <laughs> that's right. They don't so, I mean, that's the point, Dan, isn't it? That in the scenario you talk about, the, the woman has to, would, would understand the rules mm. and would, if she doesn't like the rules, then she doesn't have to take part. She could e do something else. E exactly. And it's not like the Olympic Games. There's lots of money involved. There's no money involved. You don't win a, a, win a million Hong Kong dollar. Uh, you only will win a, a medal. And everybody will get a participation medal because it's about you being involved as an individual in event like this i don't understand why uh, if i'm a biological female yeah. why would i want to compete against a biological male in any yeah, event because it would be fun taking part in the gay games i think it's about you so may i ask to the, the speaker what, what is your competitive sport uh i play golf i played any any sport with a ball oh that's great so we have many ball sports and um, golf will be a great opportunity for you to participate to many other people people who are not part of the lgbt community and make a lifelong friendship. It's about the community aspect. It's not about winning. Okay. We're pretty much out of time. Dan, many, many thanks for your call. Um, S in an email says, if a non-gay person takes part in these games, that person risks being stigmatized in a Hong Kong society. I, I disagree with that. It's really about allies. And if you're ready, I think you had a couple of emails as well from, from allies who are willing to participate. Mm. And, and we know we do many events to corporates, outreach events. There's so many allies who are looking forward to an event like this. All right. Uh, Jim, uh, just uh, points towards another topic we didn't have time to get on to. Just, uh, I mean, uh, 
gays in sport, actually, which is quite interesting with some interesting local, uh, recent developments. Uh, Jim says a professional athlete's just announced that he's been playing with non-gay teammates for years. What's changes? That's Jim. Uh, I think that was a man who came out in the uh, NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, CW says, well done to Dennis and his team. The Hong Kong government should fully get behind this wonderful opportunity to showcase... Uh, Hong Kong uh, and uh, TC says re-straight games there's no straight games because nobody's being stigmatised or even killed for being straight uh, and um, Emrys says according to Nixie Hong Kong at this time is not ready for gay marriage it also seems that Hong Kong is not ready to accept science in the form of vaccines what a blinkered society we've rapidly become Asia's world city my foot um, thanks very much indeed for that. Thank you for the uh, many emails and uh, many comments uh, this morning. Uh, Denise Philipsy, thank you very much indeed for joining us today, co-chair of the uh, Gay Games 11. Uh, Josiah Chalk, a barrister, and Sun Yutung, thank you very much indeed, Mr Sun, who's assistant professor and head at the uh, Gender Studies Programme at the Chinese University of uh, Hong Kong. Uh, on other issues, uh, MT uh, sent uh, an article by Nuri Vitachi. The Hong Kong cov- government gave Apple $33 million. He says, an alternative view, a failing business taking advantage of the opportunity given to it by a very poor uh, Hong Kong government. Uh, and uh, also, um, yeah, we've got a few comments as well on, on the abandoned cars, which is the next one we wanted to talk about. Um, the Ombudsman, in the latest report, has said that there have been no successful prosecutions against owners of abandoned vehicles since 2007. Uh, for comment, we're joined now by James Ockenden, who's a founder and editor of Transit Jam and a producer of the way- of a radio show called Wham Bam Tram. What a great title. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, thanks. Yeah, we're having a lot of fun with Thanks very much indeed for, for, for joining us. How big a problem is this? Uh, and, you know, where does it affect? Where do you see this? Well, it, it's a problem. There's around 30 cars a week abandoned in Hong Kong, and that's just the ones that the people are complaining about. Uh, one of our readers, Tony D, sent me a picture of one that's been there so long it's on Google Maps. So you could probably, like, give it a <laughs> review. <laughs> so these things are taking up, you know, if you add up the space every year, it's around three hectares. It's, it's not insignificant, and, they're, you know, they're, they're leaching oil and they're taking up public space. So um, it's good that the ombudsman's finally looking at this. Right. Well, why is it not possible to find the owners? I mean, it, it was registered somewhere, right? Like with, with a yeah. name and, and things it's like just, that. It's bureaucracy. And this, this is what happens when the police devolve their responsibilities. So they gave up all their tow trucks in 2001 and basically passed the problem to LandsD and to TD. Uh, the same way they gave up like idling engines, they passed that mm-hmm. to EPD. They gave up on skiffs. They gave that to sort of LandsD and now EPD. They are very busy um, departments. Yeah, I spoke to a former prosecutor about this. The police, at least, you know, for all their faults, they're professionals at gathering evidence, and then they pass that to DOJ or court prosecutors, and then they're professionals at prosecuting. What they've done is passed it to departments, so you get civil servants. They're notoriously bad. They're they're Mm. suddenly required to be, like, detectives and lawyers, and obviously Mm. they're neither. So they, they can't do it, and they haven't won a case since 2007. Because they, they lose them in court or they never get to court Maybe or what? Maybe they're, they're getting they get wrong, wrong evidence yeah. or something like that. Sorry, Nixie. I think they're getting like, wrong evidence or they're just not, not that interested to, to do that. Yeah, they claimed it's too hard to get evidence because there's no license plate. But, you know, you've only got to look under the, under the hood to find the, the VIN. Um, I, doubt, I doubt they're filing those off because that's quite a pain. That's, a, thing, that's so. a, a code number on the engine block or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. That's right, yeah. Ch- yeah. All right, uh, some thoughts. Uh, uh, Mary, uh, in an email, says, the Ombudsman says, quote, nevertheless, there have been no successful cases of prosecution since 2007. The case
cases involving abandoned vehicles on government land, the Lands Department often encounters difficulties in tracing the occupier or obtaining sufficient evidence to bring about prosecution, even though the information on the last registered owner is available, unquote. Uh, quote, we decided to initiate a direct investigation to probe into the effectiveness of measures adopted by the Transport Department and the Lands Department in tackling the problem of, government, of abandoned vehicles on government land. This is just one of the numerous issues, says Mary, where uh, rules and regulations are in place, but enforcement is not carried out. Sometimes this, this can be attributed to sloth on the part of the department in question, but it can also reflect a lack of manpower and resources. But both are available in overabundance when it comes to certain objectives. We all gasped at the sight of 500 police milling aimlessly around the Apple offices a few days ago. While out on our roads, people die every day because of lax traffic enforcement. The purge of illegal structures on rooftops of village houses was soon binned, probably because it was upset a lot of folk with influence. After every fatal fire, there are pledges to enhance inspection of buildings with issues until the next disaster. One could go on and on. Not only will we weighed down with rules and regulations, more are introduced every week, and each with its own advisory committee. Never have a community been so regulated with so little outcome. That is when it comes to measures intended to make our city function better and be a more pleasant place to live in. That comes... Uh, from uh, Mary and uh, Neil says, according to the Transport Department's website, uh, if the vehicle owner does not want to co- does not notify for the cancellation of vehicle registration, he will be held liable for all the liabilities incurred with the vehicle concern. Such liabilities should include the government's cost of handling and then scrapping the abandoned vehicle. However, mm. chasing people who abandon vehicles to pay such liabilities will be difficult, particularly if they've left Hong Kong. There are easier solutions, such as establish a producer responsibility scheme. The car producer or supplier is responsible for mm. towing away and scrapping their own vehicles. Or a vehicle pays $10,000 scrapping deposit to the government the first time they register. When the owner sells or scraps the vehicles, uh, the money is returned. However, when the owner abandons the vehicle and fails to provide a vehicle scrapping certificate, the 10000 is forfeited. Uh, what do you think of those suggestions? What would your solution be, uh, Mr Rockenden? Well, I think Mary's got it right. I think the problem is enforcement is across everything. You know, building sites are among the most dangerous in the, in the developed world, you know, because, because buildings department doesn't really, your labour department don't really enforce it because mm. civil servants are not enforcers. They don't really have that culture. So I would say we need to put some of these things back in the hands of the police. Uh, that ship might have sailed with, with ab- abandoned vehicles. But, you know, there's all good ideas. But at the end of the day, if a, if a civil servant looks at a vehicle and says there's nothing can be done, all of the new laws in the world aren't going to help it. So I think we need to stop the police from passing responsibility. We also need the Chief Secretary to step up and say, look, why are all these departments? We've got Land D and TD and Highways and Home Affairs Department all involved with abandoned vehicles. It's ridiculous. Of course, they're all talking to each other and blaming each other. And then mm. the other issue is, um, I think, again, as Mary said, you know, other things they're quite keen on, like bicycles. They will claim a bicycle is abandoned if it's chained to a railing for like uh, 48 hours. And then they act with lightning speed to get rid of that. I don't know why there's this deference to vehicles, but, you know, when it comes to bicycles, the same departments are milling around useless, but then they, there's a different outcome for bikes. They mm. actually manage to chop the lock off and, and take it away. So uh, maybe because it's easy, I think that the government just seeks the easy path. And, okay. that, and that's a big issue. All right. Jeffrey also says also yeah. motorcycles is uh, far worse. Uh, and uh, Sonia on Facebook says uh, aban- nigh on impossible to find and prosecute owners. Cars have been abandoned. Some are left on the side of the road. Some are in public parking bays. What's more annoying and frustrating is that the cars are not removed after a period of time. It took two years to remove a car that I reported on several occasions. The reason was can't find the owner. It was a beautiful car in perfect condition. Could have gone for auction. 
Don't know if there is such a thing here. That's from uh, Sonia. Many thanks for that. Many thanks to uh, you, Mr. Ockenden, James Ockenden, founder of the uh, uh, and editor of Transit Jam and also producer of the radio show Wham Bam Tram. I will be looking out for that. Nixie, thank you very much <laughs> indeed for joining us today. The weather cloudy with occasional showers, those heavy at times with squally thunderstorms. 26 degrees at the moment, relative humidity now at 93%. The Consumption Voucher Scheme accepts registrations from July 4th. Eligible Hong Kong permanent residents and new arrivals age 18 or above can register at consumptionvoucher.gov.hk or submit a paper form to designated banks or post offices. Choose among Alipay HK, Octopus, Tap and Go, or WeChat Pay HK to receive your $5,000 consumption voucher by installments. Register online by July 17th to receive the first installment on August 1st. Spending together, boosting the economy. 9.32, the news now with Samantha Butler. Hundreds of people have queued up to buy the final edition of Apple Daily, whose assets have been frozen as part of a national security investigation. The last front page of the pro-democracy newspaper features a photograph of staff waving torches to a crowd of supporters. It's titled, Hong Kong has bid a painful farewell. Hong Kong's human rights scores have plummeted since 2019 and the pandemic has worsened the situation. The Human Rights Measurement Initiative tracks human rights performance in areas including the right to quality of life, safety from the state and empowerment. And health authorities have tested 2,100 residents of a building in Taipo that was locked down overnight but have so far found no new coronavirus cases. It comes amid fears of a new wave of infections after a very high viral load was detected in sewage in the area. Area. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Stand by for the brew. Uh, sociology prof from the University of Set and Costume Designer Interpreter of Beethoven. As well. Oh, so shy, quiet and retiring doggy counter co-founder of Rockefeller Records. Hello. This is really for adults, it's not really for kids. Good morning. Yeah, well, it's fun, you know. Hello. Decipher what's happening behind the myth. Good morning. In-depth interviews and also observations. Absolutely no way. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Good morning. Welcome to Thursday. It's The Morning Brew with me, Phil Whelan. Right, let's see what's happening. So today in 1916, silent movie star Mary Pickford became the first ever woman to sign a million dollar contract earning her all sorts of power an astronomical average weekly salary in 1916 of 10,000 US so what better excuse for me to replay you one of New York Times best-selling author Paul French's specially recorded for us short stories from his book destination Shanghai it's about how a few years later in 1929 Pickford and her beau Douglas Fairbanks also a megastar essentially brought or kicked off the talkies in China do that after 10 for a bit of fun. It's called Nearly Snubbed in Shanghai. After 11, our all-seeing vet doctor Dave Gething will be with us to talk about eyes and, of course, answer any of your questions. Morning Brew at rthk.hk or slap something up on our Morning Brew Facebook page. And finally, after 12 and a week earlier than normal, because I won't be here next Thursday, Maestro JC Viennes will be joining us for his monthly Wine Wine live from a Venice sunrise. And he'll be on Facebook Live too.